You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 109th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. I'm Tim and I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm Matt in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I am Spencer Howe in Boston, Massachusetts. Tim, uh, have you turned Canada on? I mean, Canadian. Have you, Canadian. Are you, you're you're I, trying to say Canadian. No, Haligonian. Yeah. Oh. Haligonian. I don't. Uh, it's it's still a part of Canada, that? even though it sounds like most Canadians don't really want to talk about it. Eh? Um, but you know, I've had a fair <laughs> amount of uh, poutine. Uh, it's uh, it's right Ooh, down the street okay. uh, from me, and it's great. I met my first uh, Newfoundlander yesterday. Like the, um, like the dog. Definitely goofy, and apparently, okay. Newfoundland. I don't know if you guys knew this. Has its own time zone that is thirty minutes in advance of Atlantic Standard Time. I did know that. I heard that somewhere huh. else. It's kind. Of, it's kind of crazy. So, like, the news report will be like, "Hey," or like Stanley Cup tonight. <laughs> Starts with "Hey." <laughs> yeah, it'll be the Stanley Cup tonight at nine, nine thirty, Newfoundland. That's weird because huh. everything in their world starts on the half hour. Yes. It's kind of crazy. I don't. The ten thirty news. I went into a bike mind. shop. I asked them about cyclocross, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't understand why Winnipeg had the national cross championships really far away <laughs> and flat." So, well, it's Winnipeg. You're saying there's inter-rival, inter-Canada rivalries that we don't really know about yeah. here in the U.S. I will say that the uh, the idea of doing a Canadian vacation went over really well with uh, Sarah today with the nice 55 <laughs> degrees and rain that we experienced. But I bet it did. You know. Guys, I am uh, I'm more excited about the big news. The big news is we finally got, as one of our guests that we're going to talk to this episode, Dan Craven, former Pro Tour rider, current Cycling Academy superstar, Namibian national champion twice, all-around awesome dude, somehow agreed to sit down with us. Yeah, all our stalking finally worked out. And it was some pretty epic stalking. So just like an 80s movie, we stalked our way. To love, it's we almost stood outside his window with a with a giant uh, um, stereo above our head. Well, I think it's fair to say Twitter is uh, this digital age is um, you know giant stereo, and we did use it. Uh, you know, we were pretty much right outside his window every day for a while there until he uh, until he took notice. <laughs> that yeah. was definitely what it was. it was. Like we just you know after a while he couldn't ignore us. Yeah, and. You know, people ask Sarah was like, "Why do you care about Dan Craven?" And I was like, "Well, because at some point we saw a picture of him with his beard, and I was like, hey, it's kind of like little guy, but fast.' And and then the uh, harassment began. Um, and then we noticed that there was a Namibian listener on uh-huh. one of our podcast episodes, <laughs> and we were like, "Oh man, maybe it's Dan Craven's mom." And uh, <laughs> now we're just like enthralled with this guy. Yeah, 
I mean, and why wouldn't you be? You know, like he he kind of had that uh, that trajectory that we all maybe even see for ourselves a little bit. Like it wasn't the stereotypical bike racer. Like he came up through a lot of through weird adversity almost through a through a different channel than most people worked his way up got onto a, a french pro tour team he was teammates with tommy vokler like he is living the dream yeah. you know like dan craven represents everything that is good and exciting about cycling at the professional level these days that's yeah. yeah, and he's racing in the States, so he did yeah. uh, Philly, and he was yeah. all over Philly, so obviously we're recording awesome. this intro and outro after the interview, but he was all over the broadcast, which was great to see in yeah. nonstop um, attacking <laughs> to get into the day's break. Um, clearly should have been the winner of most combative um, oh, rider. clearly, clearly. Uh, I love it, too. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Does it matter? Not yeah. Dan Craven. No. No. And okay. I thought overall the whole um, race was exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. The whole interview was fantastic. Learned a lot about the Cycling Academy team, which was mm -hmm. great. Um, definitely becoming a fan of uh, of that squad. Yeah. And topping it all off, Chris Horner threw his bike in a <laughs> the most beautiful manner ever. And this is a former uh. Grand Tour winner. And, oh, just gaining fans. And the best part was that his team, the Lupus Racing Team, tweeted that day of the race like the only tweet they did during the race was we'd like to welcome the mercs bicycles vips like president of sales and marketing and then they're all over the news with chris horner just <laughs> throwing it to the ground oh and man and it i mean give it to chris horner it was a world tour level bike throw like this is this is gonna go right up there with some of the greats that we're uh we're all hey. so familiar with <laughs> You know, the bike didn't break, so that's some strong carbon. Oh, that's true. No, it was fine. That's a good point. Now, Picked it back up, got back on. Did you guys <laughs> see the uh, the bottle kick? Was oh. the bottle kick Pro Tour level? Because that looked a little... Uh, well, let's just say it wasn't going to get him on Inter Milan. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see him kick a bottle. That's pretty weird. <laughs> and how about the toe? The, the sticky bottle toe at, like, what, 55 miles an hour from the Shimano car? After yeah. he's yelling at them? Oh, yeah. So unprofessional, screaming at them. They didn't get what he wanted, but yeah, that toe was was blatant. That's, that's a little ridiculous, blatant. especially after he yelled at the neutral support car. There's like the whole video of him yelling at. He looked yeah. so unprofessional. It was yeah. very disappointing very for a guy nasty. that always has a smile on his face. Yeah, it was the first time I've ever seen Chris Horner without a. Why smile. do you expect somebody to be happy at at that point in the race on the last lap when they're getting dropped? You think he should be like, "Oh man, this is great." I expect well, him to be a professional and not throw his bike to the ground. Yeah. And act well, no, like I understand someone that. that's been there. Yeah, getting dropped is one thing. Dropping your chain like user error and then freaking out, throwing your bike, throwing a hissy fit of to, to of grand proportions, grand tour proportions, and then you know cheating your way back into the peloton. Eh, that's a different thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever he yelled, it must have worked. Yeah. Seriously, like that Shimano car didn't seem to understand uh, what he was looking for. Uh, but he, you know, after dropping his chain, his his rear brake was clearly out of alignment and needed a a very fast uh, uh, on bike work. I, I mean, little guy, I'm sorry. I just act like you've been there before. You've won a Grand <laughs> Tour. It's yeah. Philly. Yeah, I agree with that. Like he he needed to step up his professional game. You know, that's where. He really could have uh, shown his class, and he uh, 
Yeah, let's just say. Yeah. Dude, they started booing him when he threw the bike. Did you hear that? Well, yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, America's favorite cyclist, America's most popular cyclist, um, you know, he has a certain level of expectation, and uh, it's not throwing hissy fits on the side of the road. And, uh, I mean, it just goes to show that, uh, you know, even though he's not American, Dan Craven may be America's most popular cyclist now. Ah, uh, Well, it was a good day at Philly, and we're going to also talk about Megan Garnier's Mm-hmm. All encompassing mm-hmm. victory to take the women's world tour lead. But first, let's get to uh, Dan Craven. Well, thanks, Dan, for coming to the uh, probably the most important interview you've given in the last uh, year, I'm assuming. Uh, thanks for joining uh, the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I've been waiting in suspense for quite a while. <laughs> so on a scale of one to ten, is this because you're scared of us from like a stalking level that you're coming on the show or uh, more of just trying to, man, these guys have been bothering me on Twitter for the last year. I might as well give them a, a high five. Uh, for for the humor aspect, <laughs> that, was a, that was a presidential election uh, level dodge of the question there. That was pretty good. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Whenever I do listen to your show, I do enjoy a few good giggles, and you know, gotta gotta get in the mix with the giggles. <laughs> that's nice. that's good. So you know, obviously, for most of our listeners, um, you know, we don't need the whole life story of uh, the first time you got on the bike, but I'm curious on how you come from, uh, you know, sub-Saharan Africa to race for Rafa Condor and then to a pro tour or the Europe car team racing in a grand tour and becoming the, uh, the hipster icon that you are. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's obviously not very straightforward. Um, sometimes I ask myself how the hell I, did it am i allowed to swear oh of course oh definitely definitely fantastic um try and make it short until i was seven we lived in a coastal town uh where basically sand dunes hit the ocean and um used to watch a long distance triathlon moved away and to the inland um and then one day saw saw a a post advertising a triathlon and it was just like all of these emotions came welling up and I was like that's what I want to do losing points we might want to stop you just a little bit on the triathlon talk but Uh, continue give me a second give me a second (laughs) to university where in South Africa Stellenbosch near Cape Town where I joined the cycling club and realized that triathletes aren't as cool as I thought they were (laughs) yes savior there you go. <laughs> and um, basically for the first six months of university, I constantly called myself a triathlete. And my roommate pointed out to me that in six months, I'd gone for one run and no swim. And I was on my back every single day. And he said, are you at some point going to start calling yourself a cyclist? And um, yeah, it eventually it eventually clicked as, you know, just... 
that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> wow. So, so from awesome. South Africa University, and then uh, how do you make that jump um, to uh, Condor, Rafa Condor? I met an Italian who knew an Italian who knew an Italian who knew an Italian who knew a Swiss guy <laughs> who sponsored okay. a team in Switzerland. And they kind of said that I could come over for four weeks to this Swiss amateur team. And if they liked me, I could hang around a bit longer. And um, I ended up staying there for four years, wow. racing as an amateur in the Italian-speaking part of Switzerland. Uh, obviously, they only spoke Italian, and I didn't speak any when I got there. Um, and it was basically one of the Italian amateur teams, even though it was Swiss. It was very much, we raced... 1.2s, 2.2s, all over Italy, France, Luxembourg, Switzerland. Um, got some good results. And after four years, that took me from 2005 to 2008. The end of 2008, I became the African champion in Morocco. And that kind of, through that, I kind of got a few connections through people I'd met once again which opened the door to Rafa Condor. Nice. Oh, okay. So that's a, it's kind of a, a roundabout way to get there, but obviously lots of racing. And you, you know, we, we've seen the large crowds for the tour of Rwanda, right? The, the multiple two twos and two one races in Algeria and Morocco. And this question comes from a friend of ours, Taylor Jones, who's a, a native of Tunisia. And he was uh, saying, what's, you know, there's those bigger races, but what's out there for like those mediocre category three masters racers in uh, sub-Saharan Africa, like Spencer? Oof. <laughs> well, if Spencer wanted to go to South Africa, yeah. uh, he would have his hands full. Okay. Really? <laughs> yes. Have you ever heard of the, the Cape Argus cycle tour? No. No. Is the biggest timed cycling event in the world with between thirty-five and 40,000 people doing it. I that is not. a lot of people. <laughs> Man, you can, uh, you can pretty much hide in that pack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can hide quite well in there. And it, it goes around Cape Town, around the peninsula. Absolutely stunning views. Uh, and obviously, they go off in batches. So by the time the first people are finished, the last people haven't even started yet. So I've done it a few times where I've finished and gone off to you know, wave my mother good luck in her starting shoot before she sets off on a hundred nine kilometer loop of Cape Town. <laughs> Whoa! Nice. Wow, that's like. And what about Namibia itself? Um, you know, so is it? What's we, that road racing scene like? We back on on South Africa. We try and do everything they do, and <laughs> so Namibia, like South Africa, has got a whole range of oh. races like that. Their second biggest one is around about twenty five thousand people. Uh, so Namibia's one. <laughs> Is, is more like less than 2,000 people, but it's it's still the same vibe of trying, you know, one loop, try and get everyone to come, you know, from, from serious people like myself to, you know, people who haven't dusted off their bike in 10 years. Huh. Um, but then in the mountain biking front, it's just unbelievable. There are amazing races almost every weekend, and it's yeah that's the way to go. Well, I appreciate that kind of background as a, in, in, you know, kind of this last question I have as far as, you know, um, quite honestly, you're one of, uh, you know, 
the growing African cycling scene that we see here in America with Dimension Data and some of these other uh, racers across the um, the continent. But it's such a big continent, and it you know it's almost like a disservice to say, oh well, what about you know the racers from Algeria or Morocco? That's like someone asking us about a racer in uh, Hawaii or Alaska. Do you have any like? Uh, feelings on that like how do you feel of like being almost just lumped into this like oh you're the namibian champion um you know but whereas like a european is identified as a, oh he's an italian and then that's a uh, a a french rider for instance well it's because african cycling is still so small you kind of forget about the distances and i don't say that as in you know you guys or the rest of the world i say that myself Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like America's massive, but Americans going over to Europe, they'll be like, yeah, even though I come from Texas and you come from, you know, Washington state, they still ha- have a connection and, um, it's the same in Africa. So when I see other Africans in Europe, you know, we'll always be excited to see each other because we all basically all know each other. I mean, when I lost... <laughs> The last time I went to an Africa champs and I saw the Rwandan cycling team, you know, there were like eight of them. It took us like 10 minutes for all of the greetings to happen because, you know, we just like <laughs> hugging and slapping on the back and getting excited to see each other again uh, because we, you know, we, we're the Africans and we hang out together. And obviously as more and more Africans come onto the scene and it's going to start diluting, but it's yeah. quite cool that I'm at a phase where, where the, we are sort of coming onto the map, but yeah. we're not too many yet for it to be diluted. It's a special time, really. That's great. Do you guys, does that mean mid-race that you're willing, you're more willing to maybe uh, let them in to a gap? Uh, you guys kind of looking out for each other when you're out in a race in Europe? <laughs> uh, to be honest, I've not really seen the Africans in Europe all that much. And okay. if I do, then they tend to be sort of the younger guys who I don't really want to let into a gap in front of me. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to let those young whippersnappers get in but, front of you. But when it's like, for example, the Tropicala Misabongo, which is the biggest race in Africa and has the coolest name, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the one that a lot of the French pro teams go up and do, you know, then it's, you know, we, we will help each other out. Especially when I was racing for the national team, as opposed to riding for Europe car. So speaking of your time at Europe car, how do you feel about being the poster child for the Trobro Leon with your pig? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the whole pig thing was just absolutely amazing. It's, it's just, you know, when you think something is funny and <laughs> all of a sudden it becomes the thing that's funny, it's just like yeah. that happened. Uh, I was just having fun and it appears that people, I don't know if they were having fun with me or at me, but it was, it was cool. You know, it's a cool poster and they gave yeah. me a, a framed picture, which I've got at home now. Nice. Uh, just moved apartments in Verona, so it still needs to be hung up, but it's going to go. It's going to go up. Nice. You were That's just, pretty good. You were just tweeting about the race, right? Like tweeting about the fact that you could get a pig at this race. And 
And it, it just sort of spiraled out of control from there. Yeah. Exactly. Spiraled out of control is a perfect way to put it. <laughs> I, it was quite a, you know, because I joined, when I joined Europe Car, you know, there was quite a few interviews going around and people were asking me, what were my objectives? What do I want to do? And they were like, do you want to ride the Tour de France? I was like, no, I want to win the pig. <laughs> <laughs> and um, obviously no one expected that response. So that kind of got repeated a few times. And um, yeah. nice. until about, it took about a week or maybe a month before the race, before someone finally broke the news to me that I couldn't actually win the race. <laughs> uh, I mean, win the pig. The pig actually goes to the first Breton rider, so the first region. Oh. And um, the race organizer was basically like, this guy won't stop talking about the pig. So we're going <laughs> to by giving him a second pig. So that year there were two pigs, which was probably the first and last time that's ever going to happen. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Trobro Leon is quickly becoming a, a fan favorite here in the u.s um as as, sure. yeah as we start to get a little more coverage a little like it's easier to find uh the feeds of the bike races from europe uh in the dark webs like we have to search around and get on some questionable websites but we can find <laughs> them um, yes. so you know races of that caliber are kind of picking up steam but um it, it looks like an amazing race. I know it's it's one of your favorites, and so you'll be happy to know that the um, Philadelphia, the streets there in that city, are very similar to Trobo Leon. <laughs> Is there a pig at the end? Uh, uh, I, d- I doubt it. Uh, probably <laughs> not. Just not, have you guys yeah. know the the Trobo Leon also has a sportif the day before. Really? Uh, we are. So, I did. That is on our radar. <laughs> It's That's not a radar to do. Uh, yeah. You've got to go with an old bike. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because it's going to get destroyed. I mean, my newest bike is a pretty old bike, so I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm set. You'd probably be fine. Uh, uh, would you bring? <laughs> would you bring the bike that you made yourself to uh, Trobro Leon? Um, if I was doing the sportif, that bike would be perfect for it. Yes. Just long chain stays, kind of a nice gravel grinder. It doesn't actually have that long chainstays. The the objective was to get the chainstays super short for for what it is, you know, so you can still fit in as big tires as possible. So you're more of a fat bike kind of guy than a gravel grinder? Uh, I'm going to have to explain the bike now, aren't I? Yeah, I want to hear I, about I mean, the bike because yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about the bike. He okay, made his so own bike. I, in 2012, <laughs> I took a... Uh, steel frame building course at the bicycle academy in the uk go and check them out they are amazing and in december i built my third frame which was it looks like a road bike but it can fit 650b wheels with 2.1 inch tires okay it's a monster cross bike nice so it's a monster cross but with those tires the the there's not much space between the tire and the, um, the seat tube. So I've made the stays as short as possible. Obviously, it can also run road wheels or cyclocross wheels. Nice. So it's, made, it's kind of made as if you've got two sets of wheels, you can almost do anything with it. I mean, obviously, you can't do massive downhills with it, but I've gone mountain biking with that baby, and it's nice. pretty amazing. Nice. 
Does this was that the goal of of uh, this is going to be your post retirement, your bike, your just your one bike, for partially that and um, partially also because I wanted a bike that looks and feels like my road bike, also position wise, but I mm -hmm. can go training in Namibia because my little hometown there's one tar road that goes through it, so it gets kind of boring going on the tar road. So yeah. I take that off road. I gotta say, it's it's a lot like that here in Boston too. Actually, a lot of good trails, but the, the roads maybe not so good. You know, a lot of traffic. Not not the same as Namibia, but you know, similar in that <laughs> how, way. What, how are you uh, seen? Like, do do you wear the Namibia national champion jersey around your town uh, there? And you're like, yeah, what's up? And everyone buys you beer at the uh, the bar. <laughs> like when you walk in, you're like, oh man, Craven's here. One on me. <laughs> Uh, I, I generally do not wear my, my cycling kit when I'm not riding my bike. <laughs> Around the house? <laughs> national champ. If I was a national yeah, champ. If any of us were pajamas. national champ. Yeah, yeah but it's only Namibia. It's not like it's the States. They're oh. more exciting. Yeah. Not, not to say that I don't love my champ jersey. It's amazing. And I wear it with pride. But I'm, I'm kind of known in Namibia. It's, uh... so you're saying you're kind of a big deal <laughs> <laughs> yes ah nice. nice i like it hey spencer don't edit that one let's keep that uh yeah <laughs> that's definitely staying in it's, it's i mean i'm a namibian athlete who is competing internationally full-time and there are a handful of us like, literally, if they're more than five, I would be surprised. Okay, no, a few more soccer players. So, you know, really well-known Namibian athletes who get in the newspaper often, you can really count them on two hands. And so, you know, it's, to get into the newspapers back home is relatively easy for me. For example... <laughs> For being in the breakaway in Winston-Salem, that made the newspapers. Oh, oh nice. That's awesome. So do you feel like you've generally had, like, do you, do you, can you see a positive influence just with the popularity of cycling that you have personally, like, brought because, because of that? That's, uh, it's always hard when you ask someone, it's, you know, you kind of have to, find someone in Namibia and ask them. But <laughs> yeah. if you, if I look back to when I was a youngster, there's the current president of the Namibian Cycling Federation. His name is Mani Heymans. He went to the Olympics three times for mountain biking. And yeah. raced in Germany for a while. Raced Focus way before the world knew what Focus bikes were. And I was, you know, little kid kicking around in Namibia and South Africa and it was just like whoa there's a guy who does my sport who comes from the country I come from who's racing overseas and that mm. made such a massive impact on me so I can only hope that I have a similar impact on other young Namibians in the way that yeah. he had on myself for sure um, yeah that's really cool so I've got two questions off of that. And the, the first one, um, you know, everyone talks about racing. Do you feel that, uh, you know, some of you doing any work outside of racing to get people, you know, bike riding is also just cool 
outside of racing? Is there a, you know, do bikes play a role in anything you do outside of racing or anything, uh, um, are bikes popular in Namibia? Like what, what are we talking about here as far as that audience with you being the racing superstar? I'm superstar. I'm, I'm a bit of a boring person in terms of bikes kind of take up so much of my time, but not unlike a lot of my fellow pros, not only like racing my bike. So as I already mentioned, I've built some steel bikes and I've actually got some, you know, plans in the works to do something in Namibia with that. Um, but I've also, I've hosted training camps and I've actually hosted, I think, five training camps in Namibia mm-hmm. where I've invited like junior cyclists and development cyclists and it's like so much work, like transporting them from the capital to my hometown, which is 200 kilometers away and arranging the accommodation and food and like training for extended weekend. And But you, yeah. you get like a motorcade though for that, right? Like. It's like, oh, Dan's coming down the highway and everyone gets out of the way. <laughs> Not quite a motorcade, but the last time that I did it, the, the police, as we were cycling into town, the oh. local traffic cop was, you know, doing his rounds around town and he saw us and he kind of just hooked in at the back, put his lights on, you know, looked after <laughs> us nice. until, we oh. moved, until we were sort of pulling over into our accommodation and I, you know, went over to say thank you to him and he was like, Next time you do this, like let us know beforehand, and we'll get this all arranged. Oh, that's that's a, really great. I think that that's the perfect segue into what Spencer wants to ask because you're never going to get that experience of an American police officer following you with the lights on to give in, you this grand entrance and to protect you out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not in a good way. He's just going to tell you two abreast. Yeah. yeah. So. I've, I've seen the American police officers and just their cars scare me. So <laughs> I don't want to get too close. Yeah, it's a good call. That's a good call. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're here now. You've, you've raced uh, in Winston-Salem. Um, I, I imagine there's a lot of things different about uh, American bike racing than uh, European bike racing. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of things similar, obviously, but... Uh, um, I, I was struck by how uh, how amazed you were about the idea of host housing uh, the other day, and uh, and just want to get into that and some of the other differences that you're seeing, like right off the bat, just being here. Yeah, the host housing thing. I mean, I've heard about it for years, and I obviously knew what it. I mean, it's it's really not complicated, is it? But <laughs> we, you know, we rocked up at like. 10 o'clock at night, knocked on some door and this lady led us into her house and she didn't know anything about cycling, uh, had never heard of any of us, just thought that this was cool. And like her, I don't know, like was it her, her 10 year old daughter was, was sleeping in the bed with the parents because I got her bedroom for the week. Uh, you know, uh, and, and they don't even know what, anything about racing and they just loved the whole idea of looking after us and getting involved and then they came to the criterium and then they came to the road race and they were cheering and they had posters and they had balloons and took us out to a restaurant afterwards and like our team was spread out over four houses 
And so when we went out to the restaurant after the race, that was just our house. And then the next day, everyone came to our house and had dinner there. And then the next day, everyone went to another house and had a barbecue there. And it was just, these people have never heard of us. They, uh, and they just like, they're family now. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, you know, uh, par for the course here and in, in the professional circuit, you know, like I think maybe there's not as much money in, in us <laughs> bike racing at, at most levels and than there can be in, in Europe. So, uh, I don't know. It's just a, uh, a system we've developed that, uh, yeah, seems like it's kind of pretty cool in this weird sort of way that I've, I've never considered it. Like <laughs> I, I would also make a difference who you get. I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> you, you won the lottery there. I, yeah. I keep telling Did, little guy, he needs to sign up for that, uh, for the, uh, big bike race that's in Minneapolis that happens every year. But, uh, I think whatever team got stuck with him would be kind of amused, but disappointed. <laughs> Oh, wait, man. I got a really nice floor. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. So I did want to ask about the, the actual racing uh, in, in Winston-Salem. Um, d- is the racing itself different in the U.S.? Or did things, like, I know, you know, we're big on the crits. Uh, maybe Australia's big on crits, too. But that's not such a thing uh, in, in Europe and, and everywhere. Is that uh, culture shock in the racing aspect as well? In mainland Europe, the crits thing is more like post-tour crits. But I raced in the UK for four years, as you guys know, and in the UK, crits are massive. Part of of the reason is because they started a a series called the Tour Series, which which is televised, and it's only, you know, it's one hour long, obviously, and it's it's really worked in the UK, so it's kind of almost become more important than a lot of the road races in the domestic series because my weaknesses are cornering and sprinting. So, you know, you can put two and two together. But yeah. I, I was Sounds like me. <laughs> my weaknesses are just everything. <laughs> and um, so doing, doing the crit in Winston-Salem was no surprise to me at all, like... The, the only thing that would have been different in the UK was I would have known half of the people and the road would have been a quarter as wide as that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We have the nice wide, 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 wide roads here. You're even on the East Coast where the roads are narrower than like, yeah. where I am. They're like 20 meters wider where I am. <laughs> yeah, no, in, in the UK, like some of those circuits are pretty insane, narrow roads. And I know like, European pros who've come over. Actually, um, Tyler Farrar once came over to do a crit in London called the Nocturne, and he didn't even bring his racing wheels. He just rocked up on training wheels because he's like, oh, just a crit, you know? We're just going to ride around and sprint for the (laughs) fact. He didn't finish the race, I don't think. (laughs) Do you think, do you have an internal rivalry with Tyler Farrar now that he's rocking a top knot in the uh, long hair? Yeah. No, no, it's cool. It sounds like there's definitely... Uh, yeah. It's a little okay. guarded there, yeah. I, yeah. I, I met him... Where did I meet him? I met him, I think it was Tour of Beijing, uh, okay. the last one, which was 2015, when um, I had a big mop and a big beard, and I don't think he had either yet. So, <laughs> uh, 
Influential. Uh, you take some inspiration, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like I was the first guy to, to have a beard in the current era. Uh, definitely not the first cyclist to ever have a beard or anything ridiculous like that. So whenever, you know, people are rocking out beards and people now are saying like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. And when I first started having a beard, it was like a lot. I got a lot of trouble and people were just like, <laughs> cyclists don't have beards and are you crazy and things. And Were the sponsors uh, mad at you? Like, did Thomas Vokler look over at you and just like stick out his tongue, but not in the regular Thomas Vokler <laughs> stick out his tongue way? No. no. <laughs> But I did. I did have team managers who were giving me a lot of trouble, and huh. um, you know now now it's kind of more accepted. So I kind of I just I laugh at that as opposed yeah. to worrying about who's got a beard or a top knot. I mean, it's it's cool. Well, you're you're more uh, clean cut this year, though. You know, a little bit more. Uh, uh, you know, kind of shaved the beard down a little bit. People were a little uh, whoa, where'd Dan go? And uh, so, you know, it's, yeah, now you're back cutting edge. The thing is, I I started noticing a lot of people out on the streets, like casually, with top knots and beards, and it was suddenly it was just like, oh, these people mm -hmm. are weird. Good like, thing you're in Philly and not in Portland. <laughs> that's what I look like. So, uh, so yeah. I decided it's time to change. Well, but now, I, as soon as I changed, I was like, realized why I had it in the first place, and that's because I hate haircuts and I think I'm <laughs> stupid with short hair. So it's very good. <laughs> well, you're still you got to stay one step ahead of the curve, you know. So, um, so anyway, you're you're here. You're you're in Philadelphia right now. Yeah. You're ready to race the uh, Philly International Classic, which is a, a very big, well-known, you know, time-honored race in the U.S. Like it used to be the national championships for a long time. Uh, tons of stories there. Every American racer knows it. Mm -hmm. cool. do, you, do you know it? Like, what do you expect out of this race? What 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 do you got uh, going into this? What are your thoughts? It's, I mean, Philly. It's Philly. Everyone <laughs> knows Philly. It's, uh, it's one of those classics, and it's amazing that I can finally come and do it. I'm super stoked. Nice. Oh, attack. What's the, attack what's the on the hill. Yeah, what's the... <laughs> Better be in the break goal. up the wall. <laughs> that that would be really nice. Oh, it's going to be awesome when it happens. <laughs> I hear they're good crowds, so extra motivation to get into the breakaway. Yeah, yeah, there will be there, good crowds. You, you know this, right? Like, I mean, you've got a following here. This is a. I mean, it's not like you're going to get the you know the escort and the you know the cycling federation president out there paving the way for you, but I mean, <laughs> people are going to be pretty excited. It's a, it's a big race. And and I have a Twitter follower for, who lives in Philadelphia. Oh, perfect. I, I tweeted something, and it was, are we doing a, a fan ride uh, tomorrow, which is Saturday before the race? And someone tweeted back saying, oh, no, I'm out of town for the day. I was like, hold oh. on a second. I've got someone in Philly who follows me. So I see you. Oh yeah, of course you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't don't but, but don't downplay the fandom here in the U.S. We hey. we like we like our outlandish weirdo bike racers here like quite a bit. So so uh, well, I'm going to be very disappointed if on Sunday I don't see some crazy crowds. You, you will see crazy crowds. You yeah. will have a lot of fun going up the wall. 
Um, yeah. And we do know that you have to get uh, going here probably to go eat spaghetti or something, uh, you know, that, that real pro racers do. Um, <laughs> but can you, before we get into our traditional rapid fire questions, I, I do have one question for you. Can you tell us a little bit about this Cycling Academy team? Um, obviously, we don't uh, know too much about it, but what I have seen is there's several national champions on it. Um, and it's an Israeli-based team, correct? That's correct. Israeli registered. So... I don't know if you guys are aware that Saxo Bank several years ago had a training camp in Israel. I am. Is this that, when they yeah. did the uh, like that. the military Navy SEAL stuff, like when they were dressed up in camouflage and ran around? They've been doing that forever. This was <laughs> a separate trip. But oh, okay. part, of, part of them going to Israel around about that time, there was an Israeli rider who was on Saxo Bank for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Ran Margaliot, and he's, well, Israel's one and only rider to have ever raced at the top level. He retired shortly after that, and he's the man who's the boss behind the team. Okay. Oh. And just his, he he got in touch with me last year. We started a conversation. It wasn't necessarily always about me riding for the team. It was just like, you know, he saw something that I'd done and he just wanted to chat about it. And it was like, there's something about this guy. He's got some energy and I like his vision. And and then he started putting, you know, a few ideas forward and towards, you know, when was it? August, September, you know, the opportunity came around to come and ride for the team and you know, I wasn't getting a renewal with Europe Car. They were becoming smaller. They were becoming more French, and this is this is. There were few teams that I could ride for, but there was no team that excited me even closely the way that this team does and did. And I'm really glad that I, you know, it was a bit of a leap of faith, and so far it's it's proven a hundred percent spot on. I mean, we've got. Nikki Sorensen, who rode national yeah. for what was it, 16, 18 years? You know, he's with yeah. Saxon Bank, you know, CSC for almost forever. He's our director sportif. I mean, you know, that guy's got so much knowledge, and he's yeah. the guy sitting in the car behind us, yelling at us on the radio if we're doing something. <laughs> and um, you know, on this on this trip here in the states, we've got. Uh, We've actually, funnily enough, two Lithuanian staff members. One is a mechanic, one is a physio. Uh, but he's not a masseur, he's an actual physio, which means we're actually getting good treatment here. Uh, the mechanic <laughs> used to work for Saxo Bank. He used to work for Radio Shack. I don't know how he ended up working with us, but I'm just like, thank you to whoever messed up in the top. <laughs> nice. You know when someone is just brilliant and you're just like, he he did something with the set of wheels the other day, and all of us were just standing there, like mouths open, like he's he's utterly brilliant. Um, but getting back to the riders, so there are fifteen riders, five are Israeli. The oldest Israeli rider is twenty three, so they're all young, upcoming. You know, they've got a big future ahead of them, and the rest we've got ten different nationalities in the team. You know, we've got. Canadian, American, Mexican, Estonia, Czech, Poland, Slovenia, uh, Namibia. I don't know if I'm leaving anyone out. You know, it's, it's like 
They're not listening anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> and it's um, they next door playing a game of cards. Um, it's it's a really amazing mix of people because our boss ran. He actually held a selection camp. He was like, "Okay, guys, you want to be on this team? You fly yourself to this little camp in Italy and come and meet with us." And he invited, you know, more riders than there was space on the team, and everyone knew this and and yeah. spent the weekend together, sort of. And it, you know, very quickly became clear, sort of, who fits in, who doesn't. Um, you know, to a certain extent, obviously not hundred mm. percent, but. He's just like, and what, and he was able to sort of pick out of that this this amazing group that really gels well, and you know, almost no one speaks same language at home. <laughs> like, it's we're having a great time. It sounds like an amazing team, and I think it's going to quickly become a a favorite as the story spreads of it, and like you said, the the background of it. And you know, I, I'm definitely going to enjoy uh, seeing how uh, you guys do in Philly, but then also in the future with the team. And I got to say, I really enjoy the kits. I think the kits look good, um, and that's an important thing for us here at the uh, <laughs> Slow Ride Podcast. If you look good, you're going to feel good, and that's the most important thing out there. That's true. <laughs> yes. Um, oh. So, yeah, as you guys said, with the national champs, we've got uh, Jean Bovin, who's the Canadian champion. Yeah. Um, guys, the Israeli champion. Uh, the team will be very upset if we don't have the Israeli champion in a few months' time. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> and, and then obviously myself and the guy who, who designed our jerseys. He's a um, creative guy back in Israel. And, I mean, just the job he did with my jerseys. <laughs> So this is a favorite topic of ours is the difficulty of a quality U.S. national champions uh, jersey um, (laughs) because of just the way the flag is. And I got to admit, you you have a challenging flag to make an awesome jersey out of. And I think he did nail it out of the park. So um, let's have a couple of just quick rapid fire questions for you. We like to do this with our guests, Uh, you know, just not nothing too long. And then uh, then we'll uh, say adieu to you. But uh have you uh, ridden your bike and ran up the rocky steps yet at the uh, Museum of Art? I haven't. I've not ridden my bike around Philly yet, so I will do my utmost to get there. All right, we yeah. want a selfie or something on top of the uh, rocky steps, all right? Uh, I, I think the world demands it. <laughs> rocky demands it. So um, you talk a little bit about uh, retiring, uh, or you did not retiring, but about the, the post-career maybe in uh, Namibia um, and whatnot. Uh, the, the question is, um, when the road racing is done, are we going to see you either doing gravel grinding or fat bike racing? More gravel grinding. All right. Um, good answer. Good answer. Is a uh, when you're on the, the Europe car training ride and you're kind of just rolling around through the, uh, you know, eating your baguettes and um, uh, foie gras, uh, d- does Thomas Vokler just attack you at all times that you have to have your head on a swivel or is that only for TV? He does not attack you on training <laughs> rides, but you will be very glad to know that when there's no camera in sight, he looks exactly the same on a bike. Oh, that's good. That's <laughs> beautiful. Nice is not show that is that is <laughs> well there goes the next five questions um <laughs> better hair bobby jungles marcel kittle or dan craven 
<laughs> Sorry, I couldn't hear you there. So uh, I'll just uh, write that down as uh, Craven. <laughs> Probably safe to assume. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a fan on 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 spending time on hair. Uh, <laughs> so the other two hairstyles, they look like far too much work for me. Yeah, <laughs> more photogenic. Pipo Pizzato or Dan Craven? Come on, Pipo is the legend. <laughs> and a listener submitted rapid fire question Better beard, Dan Craven or Simon Geshk? So is this last year Dan Craven or this year Dan Craven? That's the question. I had a bit of a homeless beard at one point last year. So his looks more trimmed. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, Dan, uh, seriously, thank you uh, for, for doing this. Um, we, we're going to we, we've enjoyed watching your career uh, for the last uh, even before we started this podcast, to be honest. And yeah. uh, it's a, it's been an absolute pleasure and joy to talk to you. And I know the listeners like it. And uh, so for me, from Tim, I, I'd like to say uh, thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast. I thank say you, thank God. you as well. Good luck on Sunday. I hope you make the break. I'm looking for it. Yeah, we'll watch for you on the live stream for sure. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure also listening to your podcast. As I said in the email, <laughs> believe it or not, you guys have actually improved. <laughs> So, we so, were very, we were very, we debated about how we should take that. <laughs> I, I thought we should definitely take that as a compliment. We were, we were like, ah, I mean, is that we were like really bad? But I mean, I take that totally. We, as a we were compliment. pretty bad. Um, I like that. Thank you. You know, hopefully our Namibian listenership starts to go back through the roof after. I mean, let them know you did the podcast when the, uh, when, when the interview goes, and we'll see how much that boosts up. Because uh, I mean, we're looking for you and. Uh, we missed you last year at the Richmond World Championships, and uh, I hope that uh, you're able to uh, go to one again in the near future. And now I'm missing you guys in Philly. Yeah, yeah well, I'm sorry, yeah. Kim. Maybe. Come back next year, we'll be there. <laughs> Thanks, and, uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Dan. Cool, man. That was a great interview, guys. Oh, man. Oh, so good. I think we nailed it, you guys. Crushed it. Nailed it. Pretty sure we crushed it there. I think yeah. we nailed it. Absolutely. I mean, so what was yeah. the most surprising part of the interview for you guys? Oh. It was the triathlon reveal. <laughs> that was, was the triathlon scary. Reveal, yeah. <laughs> um, I, mean, I guess I knew, I, I knew how it was going to end, but even <laughs> just hearing the story was a little frightening. It, it's one of those things. It's like watching a, movie, a horror movie. You've you've seen it a hundred times. You know uh, they're going to get out of the house, but uh, yeah. it still scares you. you know? <laughs> so two things for me. One was the accent. Hmm. It was uh, like I didn't. I had never really heard him talk before. Turns out I, he's not from where I'm from. Yeah. So the cool accent. <laughs> and two, after that that wonderful re-listen, uh-huh. I surprisingly did not interrupt that much. Yeah. No, no you're good. That's true. Yeah. You're on your best behavior for sure, yeah. In the rapid-fire questions, I mean, he was a little too uh, politically correct for me. <laughs> I mean, I, would, I was hoping for a little bit more... Uh, Drama, yeah. You know, really get this gossip train going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you just... you just 
You just were mad at somebody else for not being professional. He was a picture of being professional. So. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's why he's earned his title as America's most popular cyclist over Chris Horner. But maybe not the most popular, but definitely in the top ten. You know what I mean? Like, he's giving Horner a run for his money. That could be. I mean, I like to think that what we did, that interview right there, got Dan Craven a contract for the next three or four years oh, because yeah. the U.S. market is is so important to uh, sponsors around the world. Yeah, I hear it's really important to sponsors. There's all the sponsors. Do you guys know what any of those sponsors from Philly were? There's I was just casino. saying there was a lot of there was a lot of teams in there with names that didn't ring a bell. Well, but there's <laughs> so the winner, right? The winner of. Kaha, um, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. They're resorts. Well, they are, but the more importantly, though, is that they ride Fuji bikes, and Fuji mm-hmm. bikes is headquartered in, in Philly. Philly. So that's yep. ASI. Ah. So that's a that's an important thing. And then you have a Holowesco with Travis McCabe getting second. Definitely a uh, you know it's where you can uh, figure out where you're going to put your funds, little guy. Like maybe <laughs> that's what they do. Uh huh. Yeah. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, maybe. And then you've got United uh, Healthcare. I mean, you know, if you want to get get your HMO on for uh, Marco Canola, that was uh, third yeah. place there. So, anyways, right. overall, I enjoyed watching the race. The, the wall yeah. is always great. The crowd kept growing. Um, we had Craven Watch 2016 hashtag trending um, here mm-hmm. in Halifax. Nice. Uh, things were really blowing up um, on that race. I enjoyed it. It was also great to see Eric Marcotte yeah. of uh, Team Jameis. Former Spencer's teammate at uh, Birchwood Cafe in Minneapolis, <laughs> yeah. Minnesota. It's true. Take yeah. a top 10 with eighth place. Granted, he is a former road national champion, but it was pretty cool to see him in the yeah. break as well. Yeah. Do you guys think – so watching this, I don't watch that many American races, especially there aren't that many American road races that you can watch from start to finish. You know, mm-hmm. It developed just in the way the racing went down. was a lot more like – even a local race in Minnesota would go than watching like a pro tour race. Like that break was full of guys who could possibly win it. And, and the they same way that, away. well, and they, mo- they almost stayed away and they, it only got caught right at the end. And then those guys formed part of the winning move, you know, in the same way that like locally, yeah. locally, like there'd be a break, but it would have all the guys who would win. You know what I mean? Like the, the play of the race was totally, different than like a pro tour level race it's it it was it was weird to see the entire coverage little guy and this kind of goes with what you're saying here like with everyone attacking for the breakaway and then it seemed like why isn't this sticking like every team is in this yeah what's going on it's not not the right composition but that's what was weird is the composition had you had a guy like you had horner marcotte you know and like craven and other like contenders to win in the move like the long main move of the day and in that way that's not something that would happen like you wouldn't see 50 cane to liege like valverde and bardet you know and like garen's get away in the main move you know what i mean like it was very different yeah but just the way the races played out felt more like a local race to me the thing about Philly is that it's been around so long and it's so well known that there's a formula to it, you know? I don't. Okay. Well, the Philly formula, like, it used to be 10, 10 big laps and then followed by the three small laps. And it would always kind of go the same way, like a big break, you know, 10 to, 10 to almost 20 guys getting away early, getting caught on lap 9 or 10, and then doing the three smaller laps um, to set up the sprint. And, you know, now that they changed the finish line and kind of shortened the lap a little bit, it, it plays out a little different, but it still fo- sort of follows that same 
uh, formula where the big break goes, everybody chases, it gets caught, lead yeah. into the wall, and then, uh, you know, now it's a sprint yeah. up the wall. But that, I mean, it's a, it's a race of, yeah, a, that it's a race of attrition. You know what I mean? And and whoever can go at the end goes. Well, that it just felt like it was a pretty small group that finished. It felt it just felt more like almost uh, you'd ha- you'd have a higher likelihood in that race than a lot of pro races to like be there with only two teammates and you could just yeah. get in the move and sit in all day. Yeah, yeah. And do your thing. Like teams teams were obviously important, but they didn't seem quite as important. See, I disagree. Well, I thought the yeah. Kaha Rural team. You know, they missed the break, and then it wasn't it yeah. them that brought it all back. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I, that seems was kind to of, me that was classic. That seemed team. kind of the weird. Is like they were the one, one of the big Euro teams, like the biggest like well, European team won. there. And they no, I know, and they sort of like were just like, "What are you guys doing? You're doing this like weird American style <laughs> shit." Yeah, they let the Americans do their like put the good their like guys for the win and the move, and they were like, "All right, we're just gonna chill back here for like yeah. fifty, sixty k." And then with 10K to go, we're going to ramp it up, bring you back, and just shoot one guy up the road. And that's you know? the formula. Well, it was know? fun to watch, but let's talk about the more important race. No, it wasn't actually fun. Happened. I'm going to disagree. Really. <laughs> it was fun to watch. No, it was fun <laughs> to watch. I just, I just like I think we're doing a disservice. Summed it up without adjusting my phone. <laughs> I, I think we're doing a disservice here spending so much time on the men's race. Other than Dan Craven did an interview with us, and we got to like talk to him. And we're not talking Chris Horner's uh, thing, but you know, hissy fit. But Women's World Tour, for the first year ever in its existence, did come to the U.S. Yes, Not only did. was it Amgen Tour of California, but they were also at Philly International Cycling Classic, where the women were the main event of the day. They were the second mm-hmm. race on the road, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, probably one of the – I'm assuming one of the first times that's happened out there in Philly. Well, Megan second, Garnier, second. the recently crowned U.S. national champion, um, and then uh, – you know, so what is it? This is the second time that yep. this has been the star event. Yep. You have Elisa Longo taking second, and then you have Alina Amiliusk of Canyon Shram <laughs> of uh, Belarus taking <laughs> um, third. So overall, fantastic racing there. And I know they were threatened by the snow, by the rainstorms that were supposedly coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed seeing that in Garnier. I mean, she's got to be a favorite going into the Olympics. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it has to be in the you know hunt. Um, for a definitely top uh, four or five, be really cool to see all of the Bulls uh, uh, Dolman cycling teammates like racing against each other because they are yeah, obviously racing. the class mm-hmm. of the race. And then you know to see them in Rio. But what did you guys think of that race? I think that it was on after the men's race, and it was too late in the day, and I went for a bike ride, so I didn't see it. I just saw the Lame. results. You know, the thing is, Lame. I think in a way, having the women's race second, it's Oh, Spencer, fuck off. Really? You mad that I'm talking? No, you can go ahead. I don't have anything to say. Wait, why is it a disservice, Spencer, little guy? I'm saying it's a disservice to people watching. It's an, it's an opposite play for people there. Like, the second event is the better event, right? Because you show up halfway through the first event. The second event, you watch the whole thing. But if you're at home, it's, it's like, really late in the day. And that's oh, like, really? I feel like we're trained... I'm trained to watch bike races early. Ah, okay. Because I, I normally go on my rides early. So I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm thinking, like in my experience in Orlando, the rides are at 7 a.m. And so yeah. I'm back at 9, 9.30, so I can still watch all the cross races and all this. So I would have um, been fine. I'm still I on L- LGR racing time. So it's kind of like the old NASCAR race. you know. Like So you're coming home afterwards and you're going to see what you can. Normally it's NASCAR and then you just fall asleep on the couch. 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I'm opposite. That's just the way I function. I, I enjoyed it being the second race of the day. Um, but what would you uh, think of the race, Spencer? Oh, I thought it was awesome. It was much more dynamic uh, than the men's race. And uh, it didn't kind of follow the same formula that I was just talking about with the, with the way Philly plays out. Like they, instead of a big group attacking off the front, it was tons of smaller groups, like going, getting caught, going again, getting caught, you know, uh, always, always having two or three kind of people up the road and, uh, kept the race really interesting. Kept me on my toes until the finish engaged, interested, you know, it was good racing. Now your formula that you talked about earlier. Now I'm not Uh a mathematician or engineer or anything, but I know formulas are important. Um, (laughs) Uh-huh. It sounds like the what happens in every bike race, though. Like, was is your no. formula at all like different from what happens on a stage of the Tour de France? No, yes, it's different than that because that that is a different formula. That's a Tour de France formula. Philly formula, as described in the movie Pro, is very specific to that race. Yeah, with a break up the road, right? Yeah, a long break never survives, so it's like every Tour de France <laughs> stage, more or less, right? Yeah. Like on yeah. a flat stage, kind of. I guess so. Unless Sandy Kassar's in the break. Yeah. It just, I mean, yeah, there's formulas, but it sounds like a normal race. Here's the thing on your formula, where are the brackets? Yeah, and then... Then you just turn into a cat. Am I I supposed to... Okay, I'm confused on formulas, but I mean... Have you ever seen the movie Pro? Oh, yeah, I watched the movie Pro. Dude, that is a good movie. That's fantastic. Then you know about the formula, because it's the thing that all of the team directors talked about uh, in their pre-race meetings that they show in that movie. Healthnet talked about it. Jelly Belly talked about it. Cola Vida, you know, <sighs> talked about it. Mark McCormick, who's won the race a few times. Like, everybody said, oh, laps 8, 9, 10, this is how it goes. This is when we bring them back, set them up for the sprint. Is this how they close the door? <laughs> That's how they close the door, Eric Saunders style. Yeah, absolutely. And they bring is it all back, it's... and they set it up for the Ventoso sprint victory. Wait, is that... That's how it happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what year the, is movie, that? the movie, the movie, uh, 2002. Okay, that's where it started, huh? Yeah, that's the that's the Ventoso origin story. <laughs> that is it. Well, yeah. there you have it. I became and a Spencer fan. was bitten by a radioactive Ventoso win and became <laughs> the ultimate Ventoso fan. Yeah. <laughs> and Ventoso he's, he's still doing powers. it. I've always wondered how that happened, so. man. The uh, awesome. overall, it was a good weekend of racing in Philly. It was great to. Uh, have Dan Craven on the show. Chris mm-hmm. Horner's bike bounce was awesome. <laughs> um, and the women's world tour, uh, once again showed well, I think yeah. the highlight to me was the, um, the overall coverage of the streaming. Um, you know, we finally have races now that show the full streaming online. Yeah. It's like, we're finally in the year 2016, even though this technology seems to have existed for a long time. Probably my favorite part of the weekend was being able to just watch the, from a hotel room in, Nova Scotia, one of the most important races of the day. Now, other people are going to be like, what about Criterium Daphne or Daph? I don't even care. Dolphin. Dolphin. Yeah, whatever. Is there any, uh, anything else you got, uh, Spencer, that you want to talk about this week before uh, we hit the hay? Well, let me just uh, pull up the Slow Ride Twitter here, see if we have any good uh, material I can work with. Um, oh, somebody here has tweeted us a photo. Uh, oh, Oh, this is for a bike race this weekend, actually, here in uh, in Massachusetts. Uh, I'm doing a road race, you guys, and uh, uh, be- due to my recent downgrade from two to three, the points are all skewed, and I am predicted to win this race. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so- oh, my God. So you're obviously going to um, 
claim an illness day of. Yeah. So you don't have to go to that. And yeah, you can the, just. I'll get a stomach bug. You're going to like yeah. keep the screen cap. So there's no way to. Yeah. Oh, congratulations on your uh, predicted win. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. This okay. is definitely a certainty here. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the champagne. Yeah. yeah. All right. And with that, guys, I think it's time to finish the episode. We'd like to thank BK1 of Rhymesayers Entertainment for his mm-hmm. intro and outro music. Absolutely. We'd also like to thank the Wide Angle Podium Network and all of the supporters and our sister shows, Crosshairs Radio, Kids Don't Follow, The Honest Bicycle Show, and the Meyerson line. Ooh, did you see the Meyerson line uh, this week announced their guest is going to be Rasan Bahadi? Oh man, I might I might have to get on oh, there man. to do a uh, one of those live questions like so ask him. Right. Uh, That's going to be so good. Tim, uh, they're not going to let you on there. Come on. <laughs> oh, just get on there and talk about the uh, the famous People Magazine sexiest bachelors in America, in which uh, Rashan Bahadi is in there wearing his Saturn kit. Yes. So that is the type of entertainment you can get on the wide angle podium. Uh, that's why that's why Tim's still shopping for Saturn wagons on Craigslist every weekend. <laughs> so the wide angle podium network is a collection of podcasts and you get to uh, support the ones that you like. And with that, we've been able to uh, invest in better sound quality mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, and, and travel to. Uh, yeah. Um, more than that, even uh, really, is that this show and, and actually every show on the network like we don't do any outside advertising, you know. You don't see us in in Vela News. You certainly don't see promoted uh, ads on Facebook or whatever. Um, and that is due to the support of our members and and our listeners and people telling their friends about it. So it's really a huge help um, and supporting us through the Wide Angle Podium Network really allows us to keep focused on making a good show every week. And, uh, it, you know, it's tough to do. And so it really makes our life easier uh, to have supporters. Yeah, so it's pretty awesome. I, I, you know, Again, there's a lot of people that are doing it, which is fantastic. And we appreciate yeah, all of the uh, the ones that are doing it and find uh, some value with what we provide. Yeah, it's so great. I mean, it's it's honestly, it's heartwarming to, to get donors. It's, That's right. If you're a member, you get a bonus episode where you get this super secret link. And uh, you get to yeah. listen. And our first episode was about uh, kind of the three of us. It's the prequel. Yeah, yeah, prequel, cool. and then there's going to be additional uh, episodes with some of the interviews that we get to do with people. Uh, that's going to be uh, fantastic as well. So, uh, again, and uh, little guy, um, one more thing. Congratulations uh, on being an uncle again. Yep, uncle for the third time. It's just the th- thrice is beautiful. Really not. Uh, now, are you the part. Calvin James? Are you going to be a cool uncle? Are you a cool uncle, or are you kind of the? You know what? What are you striving for? Well, I want to be a cool uncle, but I don't. You know, I don't see them very often. They live in Michigan, uh, so I'm usually just a scary guy, unless I'm hanging out for more than a couple of days, and then I can maybe be a cool uncle for like five minutes, and then uh-huh. the next time I see them again, I'm a scary new guy. <laughs> so, uh, I'm generally not that cool. They usually like Caitlin more than me. Yeah. yeah well, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. And uh, better half. And with that. We'd like to uh, wave at all your fellow spandex wearers, including those guys in the postal jersey. Yeah, and even Arrow. if it is George and Cappy. On, on, a, on a rental bike. God, wouldn't that be great if you actually ran into George and Cappy out in an old postal so, kit? I got to say. That would be amazing. We'll end with this. Spencer, Hincappy was in Boston over the weekend, and you were not there. Wait, 
What? Yeah. What? No, he, he wasn't. was at the Best Buddies Challenge. Oh, man. Why are you just telling me now? Wait. What's I, the best that's why I challenge. texted you with our friend uh, Chelsea you, Factor was up in Boston doing the fundraiser. You didn't and, tell me um, Hincapy was there. Oh, uh, well. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> tell me what the best buddy challenge is. It sounds so adorable. The Slow Ride Podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePodcast. Thank <laughs> you.